attention What's was. What's the list? Unhinged people who think the world owes them something. <laughs> the first one is Taxi Driver, of I course. I thought be Joker. Yeah. Is it on the list? Uh, I haven't checked, but I was okay. just going to suggest Falling Down. That's very yeah. fun. You know, this song, this song, this movie is so full of sea shanties. You want to start over? This movie is so full of sea shanty songs. That is a lot harder to say than you would think. Peter Piper. Well, you don't have to say song after you say shanty. That's like saying ATM machine. Well, uh, okay. Very or hot water heater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, TikTok was like alive and uh, just, you know, fluttering with this uh, sea shanty stuff there for a little while there. Did you guys notice this? Or yeah, remember sure. This? No, I heard about this. No, I don't get on TikTok. Yeah. You don't, you don't talk tick? I don't trust it. I, well, I do. Yeah, they're spying on us. Uh-huh. That's called a phone. You already uh-huh. had it. Uh-huh. So is every exactly. other yeah. internet website available. Nothing new. What do you hear about the driver's licenses? If a company has figured out how to use the internet, they've figured out how to spy on you. Correct. Um, but yeah. This but bo- Arthur, shouldn't I be more concerned about Chinese nationals spying on me? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, that's right. Arthur's not a racist, so he wouldn't be more concerned about that. No, it's, it's of equal concern. It should be of equal concern. Equal Noted. concern. That's right. An authoritarian pseudo-communist regime and Silicon Valley dipshits. Equally Equally concerning. concerning. Yes. They they both have a lot of money. (laughs) Yes, and we should watch out. Um, Well, yo-ho, blow the man down. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film space course. Today, we're looking at the film Blow the Man Down as part of our series of coincidences. Um, And uh, we'll see the adventures of the lovely Connolly sisters. Hello, Connollys. I I was very endeared. Jennifer and and Jaylee. Connolly. I wish. Um, no, 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 nobody. Okay, well, no hits on that one. Uh, but I, I do desperately uh, waka, love waka. them being referred to as like their last names. Yeah, that's that, good. Shit. It, it is it, fun. Yeah, yeah, it's very fun. Um, I am still Dustin. I am still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And did you guys know this movie has a six point four on IMDb? That's kind of tragic. Criminal. Yeah. Absolutely criminal. Only eleven thousand point five reviews. There you go. No, yeah. I probably saw it. Yeah. Oh, it was well, a COVID movie. Yeah, that's true. Dumped onto a streaming service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that more in this episode, I'm sure. I think I only saw it because some critic I followed on Twitter highlighted it, right? And I've only had it on my list because of you and a couple of other folks were, you know, championing it. And that's what we're here to do. We're to highlight this movie in our series of coincidences. Yes, indeed we are. in the Cohen coaching tree, baby. Yes, it is. Big time. Very much. Um, So with that, uh, just in case you're tuning in for the first time, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. And the mystery will be resolved and revealed in the course of the show because you cannot analyze without the text. Uh Uh, Thus and therefore, we will give you a a moment's reprieve as you listen to the show. uh, Decide when you want to bail out and catch the movie if you want to bail out and catch the movie. Uh, bail out of the abandoned the ship mm-hmm. of the, yes but uh, stay on board you know we're trustworthy exos and captains you know we'll, we'll steer you straight we'll tell we'll spoil the movie but you know we might make you want to watch it more we're strong to the finish but only at the end do we eat our spinach um is what <laughs> <laughs> gosh i hate myself i uh, hate you too <laughs> God, we really have got a lot of nautical bullshit going on between this and Popeye within a very short amount of time. You know, if nautical nonsense be something you wish, turn in, turn in to the good okay. trash. Now, hold on. Hold the fucking phone, because give me a second. We could do Perfect Storm, Master and Commander, one of the SpongeBob movies. That's half a marathon right yeah. there. I'm just saying. We got more. Nautical Surely. nonsense we, coming soon. We nautical November? In the name. Uh, anyway, um... 
I was telling you about the uh, ways in which we... You're uh, telling us about what the show g- is. Gently into spoilers. We do a synopsis, which is for free. We, then we do our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews very quickly, which is, again, sort of like the movies about a murder. Um, that stuff. And then we move into expanding the syllabus, which might involve spoilers of this film or other films of its orbit. And then finally, there's music to let you know we've gotten down to business, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. So that is your warning, dear listener. Without any further ado, though, let's go to Mr. Arthur Gordon, who's going to now delight us with a synopsis. In the wake of their mother's death, the Connolly sisters are left at an uncertain crossroads. Following a fatal incident, the sisters find themselves pulled into the seedy underpinnings of the home they thought they knew. Yes, indeedy. That is the movie. Um, I guess we're Actually, all... I had seen it. You're in, so uh, you are both we're the virgins. new to shore. You have just washed up here in this fair yeah, yeah, we're, fishing town. We're, 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 from, we're, from, I, we're from away. And I always like to do this. So, Dustin, what did you think of Blow the Man Down? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, it is very, very, very good. I really thoroughly enjoyed Blow the Man Down. Uh, the we really found a oh, sorry. We really found a marathon that you're gelling with. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. This is very much. Yeah, I dig this a lot. Um, I love the sort of seedy underbelly of a town kind of thing. I love the sort of. Uh, uh, agreed upon secrets. I love the ways in which uh, the the actions of characters spool out in ways that are unexpected, but they make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the performances. Um, the the lady who plays um, Enid, um, I've, uh, I've, character actor Margot Martindale. Mar- Margot Martindale, yes, thank famous you. Hollywood. Character actress Margaret uh, Martin. I love her so much. An absolute one of the goats. It's dude. great to see Beverly Marsh from the It miniseries back um, as an older lady. Um, it is great to see a number of these other June Squibb, the like, legend June Squibb. Yeah, um, and uh, just really, really great, solid, real small town, insular community kind of performances. And so, and uh, the movie is able to sort of take advantage of the landscape and sort of rocky outcroppings that is uh, the way these little coastal port places would work and use all of that uh, regional specificity without being, you know, I opened up my review by saying, hey, yeah, there's not a single a yeah in the movie. And so it's able to be regional without being like the sort of weird caricature. Yeah. Hokey, you know, I mean the, the way you, you see somebody from Oklahoma in a movie and it's like, you know, they're in a moon moon. Like I sounded just like a freight train talking about the tornado. They avoid that. Um, and I, no, well, I no, no, you're not wrong. It wasn't I, hard I, to go there. No, no, it's not. I've seen Twister. <laughs> and so I, I like that, and I, I appreciate that about the movie. And the mystery itself is, is fascinating. Yeah, I, we're not New Englanders, but I think as a plain state, I, I don't know, there's like a weird... I, I watched I this... I feel a kinship I, with Yes, them. it feels like a weirdly mythical place. There's something kind of unknowable and mystic about it. Everybody's got a dirty secret. Everybody kind of knows each other's dirty secrets and there's this web of intrigue when it's all like managed by moms and aunties like, yeah. And well, I love how female centric the movie is. I mean, that's that's what's great about it. Well, I, I uh, was fortunate enough. I was uh, checking out um, the Switchblade Sisters episode over this show. I forget who the guest was, mm. but they want to talk about this film because they're mid or a northeasterner and a big fan. But the uh, Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle uh, Crudy, who made the film, I can't mm-hmm. remember which of them it was, but they were specifically like, well, what do we love? And one of the things they were on their list of things they love were their mothers. And they were yeah. like, we, they wanted to make 
this sort of, you know, crime genre film that was like still very like centric on, you know, the female aspect of the story. Yeah. Which I think they're very successful out here. And I tell you what, in a lot of the world of noir, you don't get this. You get the mm. women who just get to be femme fatales or be a tree chase and, uh, you know, side characters, you know, um, sex worker number six that, you know, dies badly or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this movie is able to give them not only front and center roles, but gives them something to chew on, something to do uh, with what they're doing. And I really, really love and appreciate that. So, yeah, I was I was blown away by Blow the Man Down. How did you feel about Blow the Man Down? Well, Dalton? yeah, no, if you couldn't tell by me cutting into dance with you there. Yeah, I I'm also pretty hot on this. This is a cool movie. I, I we I said off air before we started recording, like, to put it in the you know the the Blake check parlance, this would be a guarantor and mm-hmm. like a different movie ecosystem, not a pandi- pandy film, not dumped onto Amazon Prime. Like there is a world where this is a festival hit and you know mm-hmm. makes its bones and like really jumps this this career off. As it stands, you know these two are mostly working in TV. They did a couple episodes of The Stand for Paramount Plus. Checks out. Uh, and then they did a couple episodes of something else that I'm forgetting. The I'm ones talking. in Maine, probably. probably. You know, with yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Or, I didn't watch the show. They have another one, uh, but anyway. For whatever reason, though, this film has kind of gone underseen, and I think that that is a Moonhaven's the other show. It's an AMC show that they're, they they worked on a couple episodes of. But I, I really hope these two get to get back into features soon, because yeah. this is like a... I, you know, I hesitate to use a word like singular, because it does feel like it owes so much to the Coens, but it, it feels fully formed at the same mm-hmm. time. And while it sure feels indebted to the Coens, you know, it, it has that previously mentioned sort of mythical quality. There's there's almost a mysticism running throughout the film. Um, you know, there's, the, of course, the regular folks pulled into extraordinary circumstances, uh, plots involving money and mayhem and murder, all of these sort of things that we think of as Cohen-esque. But it does feel like a unique voice, as, as Dustin said. It's so female-centric. And, you know, I on that episode of, of Switchblade Sisters that I was listening to, and since I invoke it again, I'll go ahead and make sure I pull the guest on that episode. Um, but um, it's so much centered around like these female spaces. Uh, Mallory O'Meara is the guest on that. She's a co-host of a literary uh, book, uh, like a literary podcast. Mm. Uh, but anyway, uh, Switchblade Sisters, Mallory O'Meara, they did an episode on this and they, they highlight this, this point that I thought was so interesting is like how often like the important space that they're in is a kitchen or a dining room or a laundry room, a female space, so, so to speak. And how much of, you know, Crime traditionally and female space. Let's go ahead and acknowledge yeah, that sure, we sure, have sure, sure. scare quotes on when we say that. Yeah, yes. I, had, I had my italicized yeah, voice I, on. I, I could see you were doing it with your head, but yeah. I want to make it auditory. Thank you. Um, in this type of movie, those spaces are usually police stations, bars, mm-hmm. basements, you know, these sort of, you know, more male coded uh, domains. And, and it's just so cool to like see the thesis statement of this movie, like run so strongly through it. And sure, like, the maleness of this town, right? The fishermen, the port, like the, that is sort of the Greek chorus is, is these, these sea shanty singing sailors. And they, they are sort of the backdrop of this land, but it is the women who run the fish shop or run the brothel or, you know, that these are the people that actually like are the glue that hold the town together. And, and Dustin, you're right. Like uh, sex worker six who dies badly is a character in this movie. But even D, which is that character's name, is like mm-hmm. given life, given mm-hmm. weight within the story, is is like a, a vital part and like doesn't get forgotten by mm-hmm. the by the film. 
Um, and and her fate is ultimately tied to, you know, the ending of the film and the fates of other key characters. So, uh, yeah, a really, really cool movie. Really beautiful, like harsh, stark landscapes. Uh, really cool music. Again, the sea shanties kind of being this chorus throughout the film that, you know, kind of gives it this this mood that we've talked about that feels sort of otherworldly and so much of its own. And again, so so New Englandy, so so regional, so specific, and and yet in that specificity finding the sort of uh universal shit that and that's what we're always talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And now that's that's what we can get juiced up for about movies is when the specific becomes so specific that it transcends. Uh, and definitely this has a little bit of that going on for it for sure. Um cool performances too. I mean we already mentioned Margot Martindale and June Squibb, but uh, Evan Moss Backrack, uh, I think that's how you say his name. I love him from the bear. He shows up mm-hmm. here um, in a small but meaty role. Uh, not necessarily meaty, but important. Yeah. Um, I love the two cops. I don't know either of them from anything. Those guys were new to me. As were the Connolly sisters, uh, Priscilla and Mary Beth. Um, love both of those actors. Um, can't wait to see what they do next because really, really enjoyed both of their performances. Uh, Sophia Lowe. Mm-hmm. And Morgan Saylor, yep. those actors. Um, they, I don't know. They, they're you believe the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, you know, there's there's a believability, and they're just like frustration with each other, but also their patience with each other. Well, they're so perfectly the sort of you know dutiful daughter sister and the you know sort sort of wilder sister, yeah. and and they're so perfectly that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, just you know, kind of clear characterization there too as mm-hmm. you say but also there's like nuance within yeah yeah that. With, without being a cliche yeah. yeah yeah i don't know arthur uh thank you so much for bringing this film to the table for our series of coincidences i think it's an excellent pick you don't uh, have to be nice to him i like to be nice to arthur okay. he's nicer than you that's true um what what is it about below the man down that speaks to you made you want to like program it for the show yeah, I, I mean, it's the things you speak to, right? It is this thing of, you know, I watched this during the pandemic and I'd seen, again, somebody touting it. And uh, it, it plays a couple festivals. It plays TIFF in 2019, gets picked up, purchased by Amazon for distribution, and then just gets dropped here, right? And Grist for the mill. Yeah, and, you know, for better or worse, right? Because of, I mean, mostly worse because nobody's gotten really a chance to see it unless they are kind of plugged in online, I think, in that way. Um, but it does those things. It is very familiar, right? It is very Cohen-esque. It is the small town, small community. Everybody knows everybody, but there are secrets and there's dark sides and underbellies and, and things like that. And so there's this very familiar kind of nature to it, but then to put it through this lens that is hyper female, right? And the sisters and everybody and the power in the town are, are female. Like there's just something really cool there. Uh, and of course, it's a great performance. I mean, Margot Martindale is incredible. Like, I love her, and for her to kind of get a, a big platform here, yeah, other dude. than just kind of a side uh, bit, she is a big factor in this film. And I think that's really cool. Uh, in June Squibb uh, and everybody else, uh, kind of rounding out that cast. But Morgan Saylor, Sophie Lowe, watching this, I'm like, I, I, I want to see them do more. Yeah, because uh, they're both great, and it is that fun thing of. They are two sides of the coin. There's the one who wants to get out of this town knowing they're trapped here. And there's the one who loves this town and finds their identity and purpose and will thrive here. And and I think that's a really cool dichotomy to put into place, especially as someone from uh, a small town. And and so I like these sorts of small town murder mysteries. I I like this aesthetic that it brings. Uh, I like economic filmmaking. This movie looks very good for what is probably a very inexpensive film to, to make. Uh, it's a very small, a small cast, uh, a small locale. Uh, and I think it is very 
uh, well budgeted to make it not look cheap or yeah. independent mm-hmm. in a way that a film like this could look cheap and independent. And so uh, I, I just like a lot about it. And uh, and honestly, uh, there's a you know a really strong chance that this is a big anchor into doing. Uh, this marathon to begin with, right? It's kind of a how can I get point. this into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, uh, it's kind you of a big inspiration. It for dessert, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I was going to do it next week, but I, I, I moved some things around uh, for fun. Uh, but yeah, it, it is all of those things. I, I think it's just really cool. I like the story, uh, which is this kind of very. You know, I, I like where our characters wind up. I think mm-hmm. you know all of them, the the, the young cop as well, in, in kind of conjunction with our sister like i just like how everything plays out that ending is so clean and yeah oh, yeah they land the plane so well dude yeah so and it's a tight 90 i mean it does everything and it, it has it, its compensations as well right i i think it just moves like a well-oiled machine so i just really enjoyed it and was really kind of blown away the first time i watched it and i really wanted to get a, another chance to see it and i thought this would be a good time to do it and obviously get more people to watch it one thing i want to mention about its success as a movie is a lot of times these small towns that have the cd underbelly you mm. don't ever quite buy that this like underworld exists you know and sometimes a movie will sort of lean hard into that and you, you sort of like go with the anti-real i think about brick i I'll, dude i was just I was thinking Brick. I thought about were, Brick when yeah. we were watching this too. <laughs> you know, because no, I didn't think about it while I was watching it, but as you were like, it feels unreal. I was like, oh yeah, like Brick. Yeah, like, yeah. It just kind of feels made up. It's but, like I don't. But I don't the language has already been changed in such a way mm-hmm. that you know that we're just sort of using the yeah. aesthetics of high school to tell a a forties kind of noir. Mm-hmm. And so you know, there's like you know they're uh, you know huge drug cartels in your small town, and you know. Uh, Southern Ohio or it makes what more it. sense than something like Ozark. Honestly, yeah. I'm like, okay, I buy this. But the, yeah, this 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 makes the way in which this sort of uh, sex trade is at work here. Mm-hmm. Um, it works. It, it makes sense, even though there may not be a small town quite like well, this. Well, a long history of sailors making land with 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 people. Yeah, and and so sure. I think it's easy to kind of buy into that. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, and Martindale is just so fucking good. Yeah, I, she's I don't know great. If you, yeah, you guys never neither of you have watched Justified, right? I've she's, watched a little bit of Justified. She's the heavy in season two of Justified. Okay, I haven't she got plays a season this character, two yet. Mags Bennett, who's like the local mafia or like local weed <laughs> kingpin. But of course be, she is. Because of like a power vacuum in the larger, you know, crime uh, sphere of uh, Harlan, Kentucky, she's like, oh, I'm going to make moves into Oxy and, and people trade. And mm. like, you know, I'm going to become the kingpin. The I'm not just, yeah, I'm not just going to be the weed grandma i'm gonna be the kingpin and she's so like it's it's kind of similar to this performance but uh, you know obviously different nuances different Mm -hmm. accent of course but you know she's just so good at this this sort of like singularly possessed matriarch who you know is who has schemes on schemes that you'll never see all the way through i just yeah she's so talented Mm mm-hmm yeah, love it, love it. Well, there you go, dear listener. Our thoughts are generally pro concerning Blow the Man. Now we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expand the Syllabus, and Dalton's going to tell you what that's all about. I sure will. This is the part of the show where we prom- deliver on the promise of our premise. We talk about the films you would never discuss in a film studies course, and we do it in a film studies type way. Uh, we take the week's assigned viewing, in this case, Blow the Man Down, and we try to pair it with other films, other academic writing, other books, novels, comics, video games, articles, essays podcasts we try to bring in other additional filler material to sort of make a curriculum around the week's movie and we're going to do that right now with blow the man down well there you go are you do have a syllabus ready my friend uh sort of i i kind of 
kind of cheated this week. Look, we're we're on a double uh, right now for a peek behind the production curtain. So it was kind of a quick turnaround. But I, I couldn't stop thinking about this class Arthur did. And I can't even remember the movie you did it on Arthur. I think it was maybe even Popeye. Uh, but it was recently you did a class on independent film and sort of the history of independent cinema. And I couldn't for I know I was going through my my brain trying to like rack like what film it was. But I I, th- I think this film would fit really nicely in that class you, you were talking about because you talked about, you know, the the new Hollywood era. You talked about Sundance and, and Redford. And, yeah. And, to, and yeah. I, you're remembering the class. I can see it in your eyes. But yeah, what movie did we talk about it on? But I think. You know, you you touched on this a little bit, but I think this is so such a good example of what's going on in the modern indie cinema ecosystem. And I would actually pair this with something that our good friend Alex Sanchez, if you listen to our Dead Center coverage this year, uh, you heard a little bit of Alex on mic with Dustin and I covering the films down at Dead Center. He's in this film called Chicken House. Uh, which you can stream mm. right now on Tubi and like these even small, even films smaller than blow the man down, you know, blow the man down, play Tiff gets picked up by Amazon. Mm-hmm. There is a tier of indie below that, right? Like even further, no, or no, no, or no budget. Movies. Regional film festivals. Because yeah. see movie. Yes. And those films are now getting sold uh, because they, you know, do get picked up by smaller distribution houses. They're getting sold in big packages to places like Tubi and Plex and other ad supported video on demand services. And they have to get like millions of streams to ever turn a profit. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the movies are just languishing. But there's this whole robust ecosystem of independent film just like landing on streaming services right now, especially like since the pandemic and during the pandemic. And that's only going to become there's only going to be more of that the longer these strikes go on. And the more like the only things getting made are things without, you know, union right. dues being paid and not not in a scabby way, just in the like these people are not plugged into those union ecosystems because there are so below the line of like what counts as a real budget. But anyway, I, I bring that film up to just say I think it's a fun, also kind of female centric story, uh, but is, you know, again, budgetarily speaking, a tier below this. But they both suffer the same problem of being really unique, interesting, I, I would say vital uh, female centric independent films that have just become grist for the content mill. You know, yeah. it's as I said, like this film in a different ecosystem becomes a guarantor it becomes yep. a calling card that um our, our filmmakers keep free they're not siblings so i can't just call them one name <laughs> you know i don't they don't have a, a, a kitschy cole and crudy there we go we'll call them cole and crudy there we go cole and crudy and uh kate jones who did chicken house like both sets of filmmakers are you know trying to do something different and like have films that i i think could be real calling cards that are just getting lost because there's not the same sort of distribution networks and the same sort of coverage that there were in the nineties and even into the early aughts, you know, you know, movie talk is kind of becoming the new movie blogosphere, but they're just covering fan shit because, and this is, you know, I know there's this whole like discourse around movie talk going on right now. I don't know if you guys have been privy to any of this. Uh, the New York times put out an article about movie talk, uh, influencers and how they're not film critics and they don't want to be called film critics, Yeah, but they kind of are. Um, you should get into this. You'd find it interesting. I mm. see you making a hmm face. I'll send you some more. It's all those influencers on TikTok who are getting paid to yeah. see the movie and talk about it. And, and some of them are so, rightfully like, hey, fuck you about some of the articles that have come out calling them like off of the New York Times article. Like, yeah. you're corrupt. And I don't think it's more nuanced than that. Like, it's impossible to make a living full time sharing your movie opinions these days. Right. Just, it's not... 
the people who are doing it successfully are doing what we're doing at a higher level. They're mm-hmm. self-financing. They're just getting, you know, their voice have enough voices attached to it to, to kind of support them in supporting films like this. I mean, I, I know I'm kind of off on a tangent right now, but it all is part of the same. The like, advocacy portion of yes, criticism is what you're talking about. Well, yeah. in the implosion of the film ecosystem, right? And sort of the decentralization, both the good and ill of the decentralization that we're seeing over the last 15 years or so. Um, so again, I just have two movies for you that are signed viewing for the week in chicken house, but I think they're both part of this like larger independent cinema movement that has, we've got to find something else because it's, there's just too many voices trying to champion too many films and it's all getting lost in the, in the shuffle. And mm-hmm. it's really unfortunate because I think this film is super special. I, I really like this movie a lot and I think it would fit nicely into Arthur's independent cinema class as far as looking at what's going on right now. Yeah. Which I did way back on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles almost a year ago. It's been that long. I thought you just no. did one. I really thought you just did an independent film syllabus. Wow. That feels like it was so recent. Unreal. It had to be a good year ago because it was right around the time we did Pig and Moneyball. Mm. Well, yeah. tell us, or Arthur, over a year. what kind of syllabus do you have prepared today? Uh, well, I've already kind of tipped my hat, but I really dig the murder in the small town aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's just a, such a fun setup, again, coming from that kind of background. Um, but there's, a, I don't know, there's like a, a vested interest from the characters when everybody knows everybody because everybody's kind of on the line and everybody's got stakes in the game. It feels like I think it's harder to is, move undetected when everybody like knows you and is watching yeah. you versus like, you know, a murder in New York can kind of be anonymous in a way, you know, be before the forensics gets involved or whatever, but you know, <laughs> you know, you're probably not gonna have the same kind of, I don't know. There's a different level of involvement and stakes. I think when you get into a community or a small town, uh, such as this, I mean, these insular places where people don't just know you, they know your whole family. They yeah. know your lineage. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, generations ran around together and yeah, yeah I, I think there's something really cool about that. So that's what we'd probably be taking a look at. Uh, and so I would, I want to start with Norman Jewison's. I want to look at the, in the heat of the night, mm-hmm. uh, where we get this great outsider getting to come in, uh, to Annabelle himself there. And, uh, Really, just show them how detective work is done. Uh, as everybody in the small town is trying to figure out, and then there's a you know the big battle of the wills in the police station as uh, Mister Tibbs uh, shows up to tell them, "Hey, I, I know a thing or two or about a thing or two uh, when it comes to policing," uh, and they have to find a way to work together uh, and, and solve this mystery in a very gritty, very sweaty, very. Uh, southern small town uh, and I think it's a fun place to start uh, I got a couple of TV shows actually I got a few TV shows uh, but the first couple uh, we're going to go across the pond we're going to talk about Broadchurch sure. uh, David Tennant and Olivia Coleman. Uh, as they try to figure out what has happened in this small town uh, when, a, when a body shows up. Is that a miniseries or do they do multiple seasons? Of there that? are three seasons, if I'm not, or series. Okay. Uh, if I'm not, and the first two are related and the third is a new mystery, I think, completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, Tennant and Coleman are great together anyway. Uh, you know, Tennant as the kind of hothead with the past and Coleman trying to uh, figure out what is going on in this community uh, where everybody does know everybody, everybody knows secrets. And then lo and behold, there are things happening. There are skeletons and closets mm. uh, and kind of getting that to come to life is, is very well done. Uh, and then we're going to jump to uh, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about mayor of East town um, where we sure. get something very similar playing out here uh, in another very specific part of the country with very specific uh, dialects and customs and traditions and ideas and the idea of self and legacy and overcoming who you are in high school uh, while trying to be the hero and, and save the day. Um, we would take a look at M, actually. Yeah, baby. Uh, which, you know, 
I, I think set in a bigger city, but was really focused on this community yeah. aspect and what has happened in the community and, and the way the finger pointing takes place there, uh, I think is a, a good place to go with this. Uh, we talk about memories of a murder uh, and look at that and the the way in which uh, this sort of grief and tragedy occurs in a community and we don't always get resolution that we hope for or want and, and the way that can impact our belief systems about the world and, yeah. and the way it functions. We'd actually take a look at Scream, I, I think, while very much a slasher is also very much a murder in a small town story. Sure it is. Totally. Uh, as everybody's trying to figure out who could have done this and, and everybody is pointing fingers and losing trust. Secrets and losing from faith. the past yeah. come to the surface. Yeah. It's much yeah. more of a whodunit than a slasher. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. are. That's that's their deal. Yeah. yeah. Who's behind the mask? Yeah. Or whoms? Whoms? It's usually whoms. Yeah. Now, um, we'd go back to TV and we'd look at True Detective season one, uh, just so we can get McConaughey and uh, Harrelson talking. Uh, just let them have some Stop fun. Stop saying odd shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, we'd end with a book, which has been turned into a TV show, and that is Jillian Flynn's Sharp Objects, uh, as this uh, reporter comes back to her small hometown to follow up on uh, some events there and uh, really does hit close to home. And so I, I think I've only seen, I think maybe the pilot, but the book is really good. Uh, Jillian Flynn stuff's pretty solid uh, across the board. And so I, I think that's where we take it. Look at this and, you know, despite community, despite culture, despite country, um, these stories are kind of uh, universal in a way because we all have these areas of tight community and small background that I think is a very universal truth in a lot of ways. And the way in which the different cultures and even different regions can kind of reckon with that, I think is a totally. fun place to look and study. So I'm just hyped up on like the idea of like comparing uh, memories of murder and mayor of East town, just like these two looks at like law enforcement and mur yeah. murder police specifically. Yeah. And like what a shit and even job Rogers, that is. I think too. Sure. Which I'm just less familiar yeah. with, but, but yeah, I mean, again, yeah, that detective part of this and mm -hmm. reckoning with this sort of crime and this sort of community and, and what that looks like. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll talk about this more when we get into analysis probably, but just like how often law enforcement, uh, either in real life or on screen is like, sorry. Yeah. I don't have the answers. We, we can't solve this for you. Yeah. Our bad. Unfortunately. So what I want to do for my syllabus is not a syllabus. I want to do an assignment in American Lit 2 for the 19th century American Lit movement called regionalism. So assigned with Bret Hart's The Outlaws of Poker Flat. Yes, you'd read that short story in which regionalism... <laughs> You got a look on your face. Yeah, I <laughs> scorn and derision. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just imagining Bret Hart. Oh, okay. oh Bret, Bret, that's the wrestler. What, that's yes. a look on your Bret face. The hitman. Bret the Hitman Hart. I also a, thought he might be uh, leading a new section of his uh, Shrek fan fiction class that oh. we discovered last week. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> um, but talking about regionalism, and I think main regionalism would be fun to look at in film as an assignment. So tell me, you've got an option of a handful of movies. How is regionalism sort of described here? Hmm. And use that as an American lit assignment. And so Blow the Man Down very much does that in a really, really kind of useful and interesting kind of way. But there's a handful of main movies that you could look at, starting with Iron Giant, uh, totally. which is you know set in Maine, also Lake Placid. 
set in Maine. One of my favorite Maine films. Uh, I mean, you've just listed two of my favorites, honestly. Well, the, the, well, these are the ones we're picking here. And then I think you have to go into the world of Stephen King. I don't think you can do Maine stuff without having at least a little bit of King and his regionalisms. Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery was my call, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love, wondered. Love me some Fred Gwynn uh, of Munster's fame. He's so good in that movie, yeah, dude. he is so good. And his AIs are just, you know, perfect. He, his yeah. Yankee drawl is just exactly what you want uh, for that kind of role. And so, I mean, dialect especially is important in that film. It's important in some of the other films. Well, and American history is important in that film. Yeah, I might add another American lit sort of inflected film, Henry James' Turning of the Screw with the uh, 2021 The Turning. Hmm. But I haven't seen the movie, so hmm. I'm not sure where I would fall with that one yet. But I do know that there's it's a main setting uh, for that and an update of that hmm. particular novel. But there may be just too many layers to unpeel to use that one in this sort of module assignment. But I think that's what I would do is like main regionalism in cinema and thinking about the regionalistic movement of the late 19th century, uh, making that something of an assignment for students to write short essays about. Mm. And so that's how I think I would approach um, teaching some form of blow the man down. Dear listener, your syllabus just got much longer, but now it's time to get down to business. really avoided like talking about what this movie's about yes. pretty effectively uh i guess if, any, if anybody's still hanging around this is Hi. a little bit of a plotty film so real quick i'll Do run it. through the beats uh the Connolly sisters have recently buried their mother an indeterminate amount of time before that uh margo martindale uh watches as a young woman is attacked from her uh, in her front yard basically her backyard uh, we now later learn after, you know, the sisters get in a fight and Mary Beth goes to go drink and mourn and grieve in her own way. She comes across Margot Martindale's pimp, played by Eben. Uh, we will learn later is her pimp, uh, Eben Moss Bacharach. Gorski. Gorski. Thank you. What a great character. Good name. character name. Gorski. Uh, Mary Beth goes off with Gorski. Gorski sucks shit. Uh, menaces her. Uh, she sees the signs that Gorski has already murdered somebody in his car. Uh, she ends up. Uh, killing Gorski and probably self-defense. Mostly self-defense. It's self-defense. Well, self-defense. Yeah. I mean, she finishes him with passion, but yes. it's self-defense to start. But because of the passion, they are reasonably concerned about what the police will do. So Mary Beth goes and wakes up Priscilla. Priscilla says, time to go into big sister mode and get rid of a body for you. Unfortunately, they leave behind the fishing, the boning knife that they use to The cigarette Gorski. lighter. Yeah, the cigarette lighter of Blood Simple. Gorski did not fit into the ice chest intact, so they had to do a little light dismemberment. A little chop, chop, nudge, S- nudge. A little, a little sushi, a little sashimi. Light dismemberment? Light dismemberment. You don't have to fully take them apart. You just got to give them an ice cooler. <laughs> Which they then tape shut, anchor, and throw into the, the water. A body does wash up. It turns out it is D, not Gorski. D, who Gorski, we will later learn, murdered. Former resident of Gorski's trunk that set off um, Mary Beth. Yes. Uh, we learned that Dee is also a resident of Margot Martindale's character, uh, Edna the Enid. Is it Enid? Enid. Enid. Enid? Enid's brothel, the Overlook. Or the Ocean View. Ocean View. Thank you. I knew it was an O. Um, but uh, in in finding out that about Dee, also our characters sort of become embroiled in this larger brothel plot. And we learn that kind of the town's matriarchs are all in on the Ocean View brothel. But with the recent death, they're saying Enid enough is enough. You got to pack up shop, and Enid's not having it. Unfortunately for Enid, uh, she did D's best friend uh, Alexis dirty 
uh, and is constantly trying to get her off the scent of uh, that she had D killed for stealing money. Alexis eventually figures it out and murders D. The Connolly twins, or sisters, find themselves seemingly in the clear until they realize the matriarchs of town have found their crime and uh, cleaned it up the rest of the way for them. And Justin, the cute little policeman, is left to wonder... I think they did it, but I can't prove it. And that's basically what happens. I skipped a whole bunch of shit, but that's but the that's, short that's version. That's the movie, yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess we can jump into anything. I mean, we can talk about sort of law enforcement in this movie and how they're portrayed. We can talk about the Connolly sisters and small town economics and sisterhood. Let's start here. Let's frame it in the context of the Coens. Okay. Because you already alluded that it is straight from the Cohen house mm. of, of teaching. Mm-hmm. So what is it? I mean, we have the small town. Uh, yeah. And again, amateur hour mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. None of these people are. Pre- well, our sisters are not prepared mm-hmm. to cover up a crime. Nor are they pros. Yeah. No. So we have amateur hour there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have all of these secrets being revealed. And this kind of, uh, again, that escalating. Ah, crap. One more thing. Yep. Element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The dominoes keep hitting each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money gets found. Right. And it, it's crazy when a Cohen-esque plot doesn't start with the money being found. That's like <laughs> incidental. <laughs> There's like a complication of what's already going on. Yeah. Um, I, I think also uh, we've touched on this a little bit, but I, I do want to circle back to like the kind of the mysticism. And that's that's sort of a later Cohen's thing more than, you know, something you get. In, but even all the way back in Blood Simple, you sort of have the eye of God watching. Mm-hmm. Right. Know. The burial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just like the, the shots from above fans and stuff mm-hmm. that you get a bunch. And so I, I think throughout that filmography, you, you sort of see these allusions to something else. Um, just a general spirituality or mysticism kind of permeating life, a uh, sort of unknowability. And I think we get that through the sea shanty chorus, through the sort of brutal landscape. There is just this, this sense of history in place that is so seeped in itself mm-hmm. that it, it does feel kind of like dangerous and m- magical and, and secret. You know, and I, for me, that's like a big part of the juice. Well, yeah, and I think there's also sort of this uh, way to absolution throughout all of this as well, is that you can do some wrong things for the right reasons. That well, The reason why Marco's even running the brothel in the first place is to prevent, you know, uh, worse forms of sort of abuse. Well, and, and that's this really kind of comes to a head in this kind of cross-generational moment where mm-hmm. Enid is, you know, dressing down the Connolly sister and is basically, you guys have no idea how easy you had it. And we sort of throughout the film, like, learn the reason that all of the, the older women in town, like, helped come up with the idea of this brothel is because of how all the shit they were putting up with from the men coming into this small port town. And so they were just trying to deal with... Funnel that... Yeah. Yeah. And it was either our it, children or... These in its girls, yeah. quotes, and they sort of finally, you know, thirty years on, have really started to realize that this was probably not a good idea. Yeah, not a good idea. At Might all. not have been. And I don't know. I'm the one like quibble I have with this movie is I don't, I don't know how it deals with sex work. You know, I I'm kind of on the fence with it. I, I think we. I think it, def- just, it simply acknowledges its existence. I don't think it's a meditation in any no. way. On and it, and yeah. it is like. I guess the, the why I bring that up is it is framed. I mean, th- these are like explicitly not good circumstances. Uh, this is a Enid, very corrupt yes, form. Of- Enid is sending out Gorski to like pick up 
women and bring them back to the ocean from Boston or wherever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. picking and up people who are yeah. very blatantly taking advantage of these these women, actively preying on them, not paying for them. her own gain. Yeah, exactly. Is yeah has fifty k in a safe, and some of that money is like withheld wages, and yeah, it's a bad situation. It's not good, and like there, it doesn't like moralize all the way. But I, I definitely because Alexis um, doesn't seem to be um, frowned upon. No, no, you know? not at all. And I think is like a real. I love that actor. Uh, I know her from Glow. Um, mm. Yeah, she's really fun on that show. But you're right. She's like a feels like a full character. Maybe it's because she's just so embodied by that actor. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I it doesn't feel like the film is like poo pooing anybody's choices. But it does sort of. I guess it's realistic, you know, mm-hmm. about it. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily poo pooing the existence of sex work so much as it is like the specifics of this dynamic. Right. So I guess that's, that's fair. And I think our other matriarchs sort of do have a great compassion for her. And Mm -hmm. then they are now seeing what essentially the Pandora's box that they have opened has, has caused in, in the wake of D's murder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are 30 years on and a girl got murdered, you know, I mean, that is as far as we know, this is the first time that's happened. happened. Yeah. And so this is the wake up call like, okay, unforeseen consequences and we cannot continue down this route. You know, we're not going to go to the law, but we're going to shut her down. Yeah. And we do get that kind of stark contrast right away because and we don't put it in context yet. But, you know, Enid does see what's going on immediately. And so, you know, she's kind of sold her soul at this point to something darker and and, Mm -hmm. in pursuit of her position, her power, her greed. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. She has, she has like set herself apart from these other women who like originally were kind of in on the thing. You're right. It is like become this more nefarious kind of evil. Well, and she feels kind of abandoned because the Conley's mother was sort of like her right hand man, mm-hmm. uh, for some season of time and yeah. gave it up to run the fish shop. Well, and I think it's, I mean, one of the smart things to do is just take that, comp- that character completely off the board. And all we know about her is what everybody says about her. Yeah. Enid says she's, you know, was my best friend. She'd do anything for me. The other matriarchs, you know, speak the same kind of highly way about her. Yeah, she's always be there for you. Yeah. That kind and of so person. it's hard to kind of really know who was uh, this, who was this woman? Yeah. Was she Enid? Was she yeah. as, you know, on that same route as Enid? Was she on the same route as was um, Mary Margaret? Was that what yeah, I think was? so. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that just taking that character completely off the board and letting the audience Try, try to draw some sort of picture or conclusion about who she is, you know, and multiple people say, you know, your, your mom wouldn't do this, or they say my mom, you know, our mom wouldn't do this. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic to play with is to have who almost becomes a fully formed character in her own right. Yeah. Being completely off the board uh, and, and completely reliant on the audience's sort of inference and interpretation of the way she's presented. Well, and does a good job of putting us, the audience it squarely in the, sisters Connolly's pov right mm-hmm. because they are grieving this loss and we kind of get the implication that mary beth had had moved away already for a little bit and came back when their mom got sick right yeah sort of the implication she, was, she had one foot out and yeah then they drag her back in yeah so it, it's it's interesting that like you know when when you lose a parent like there there does just become this this gulf mm-hmm. this like realization like oh shit there was all this stuff i feel like i need to know that i just don't, don't get know. to know now well, yeah it was i mean yeah. not one of the poets says you know all of our parents are undiscovered countries and mm. i mean that's mm. that's really the sense yeah. you know it's like I, I i know them very well better than i know anybody else on the planet and i still don't know them yeah you know and sort of reckoning with that well and i think that's what's so cool about 
June Squibb and, and these other two character actors who I know from stuff, but you know, don't can place a name or a credit off the top of my head, but they, they kind of act as this, this well-meaning cabal. And yes. that is sort of like doing their best to protect the women of this town and, and what seemed like a good idea at the time. And it is sort of like this, this intergenerational feminism that is like this, this undercurrent throughout the film is really interesting. Like both in terms of like when it's antagonistic, you know, when, when in the scene where Enid's like, you know, you don't know how easy you had it, which, you know, leaves us to only infer all kinds of horrible stuff that's happened to these other sure. characters earlier in their lives. Um, but, but June Squibb and company, like, you know, they, they exist in opposition to Enid in such an interesting way because by the end of the film, they are still, you know, criminals <laughs> yeah <laughs> and willingly and happily so but it, it is a different kind of it is a protection that doesn't involve sacrificing anybody else right except for gorski and fuck him yeah yeah he yeah he needs killing um yeah and that that is sort of a another character that gets taken off the board immediately it seems like he might be there might be more there but no no he's just a, a means to like further the plot along he, he's, yeah. he's a means to for Enid, this character, yeah. which it took me a second to like put two and two together of like, oh, duh, that was Enid at the beginning of the movie. And oh, it's so it's it's interesting, like the way yeah, which and I think I kind of missed that the first time I watched it mm-hmm. was it was that realization of what's going on in that opening scene. And then watching it now, like, ah, duh. OK, yeah. makes sense. He, she's having him yeah. murder her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stolen yeah. money. Yeah, I, I totally missed it on, on the way through for the first mm-hmm. time as well. I only picked it up because of like. Oh, that the Gorski's money is like immediately. I was like, well, of course, that's Enid's money. Gorski would have 50K right. cash. And that's sort of where I was like, oh, OK, he got the money from D and mm-hmm. from the know. lobster bond or something <laughs> like that. In that bag. Oh, my so God. Funny. It's so funny. I want to go to Maine. So I want to go to this town in Maine. Uh, you know, I know somebody that just went to Maine. They said they had a lovely some, time. I just want to eat some lobsters. I hear there's a lovely Lobster. hotel you can stay at there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got ocean views. That ocean. <laughs> <laughs> um, great title. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's taken from a classic sea shanty, but it is sort of like a, uh, a statement against patriarchy. Yes. Uh, and, you know, definitely like thematically fits. It's evocative. It fits with the theme of the movie. Like just a great title. Yeah, truly. Well, you know, it, it's a great way to sideline all the male characters without making them dopes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess uh, Detective or Sergeant Coletti or whatever the older policeman's mm-hmm. he's na- name is. Well, yeah. 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 He's just sort of good old boy, Barney Fifey kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but Justin's a, a, an effective cop. He's the real. He wants to take this serious. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's really being, you know, kind of flustered. Nobody else takes his job seriously. Yeah. But, you know, they, they're they're totally able to um, just run circles around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no trouble at all that they have doing that, and so their their omnicompetence, even though he's not omni, they're not well, they're working together. Yeah, and and, he's all alone. Yeah, and so and Gorski being such a schmuck, and then uh, what's his name? And then we got the guy who runs the kind of docks, right? Clancy or whatever yeah. his name yeah. is. He's a really interesting character because the the police are kind of afraid of him. I think mm-hmm. you know Coletti, and they bring him donuts, but they don't have the jelly. Yeah, Justin ate the jelly donut. You see Coletti kind of be like, oh my god, I can't believe you. Eat the jelly. <laughs> and he seems to be some sort of the bridge between Enid and this whole operation, right? He yeah. is allowing the girls to work or not work. Mm. Like he he's somehow in a weird power position above almost everybody. Yeah, he but gets he's a such kick- a non factor as well. Yeah, he gets a kickback from Enid for like not calling the cops. It's kind of the Basically, yeah. Yeah. But you're right that he is sort of He's got his own little fiefdom that he's over. And that's what's so fun about this, you know, the murder in small town movie that you bring up. Like you have all of these these factions and characters yeah. and they're they're not always 
explicitly criminal enterprises, but they're kind of like gray market, yep. which yeah, life is like that. You know, like people aren't just like kingpins. People have lives and, you know, carry on in a, mm-hmm. a normal, a seemingly, you know, outwardly facing uh, above board fashion. Mm-hmm. And to see, yeah, that, that to see the grime that exists like just below the surface is, is like interesting because it is, again, feels more true to life than to have just like, oh, and this is the town you know, heroin kingpin. Like, no, I mean, yeah, there is a madam, but she's running a bed and breakfast. Like there is something seemingly above board going yeah, on. Yeah. And it's just kind of open secrets. I, speaking of open secrets, do love the end of this movie. Uh, Justin mm. just being like, I don't like her anymore. Yeah. I'm very upset that, uh, the girl of his dreams has co- covered up a murder. Uh, he's yeah. It seems like he's figured it out by the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a, at the very least like well, he's once I, well once he realizes Mary Beth was with Gorski, he knows. Yeah, I yeah. think what's happened. He's put two and two together on and they've most kind of, just, of it. He, I think he feels probably like a schmuck that he kind of got sucked into her. Mm-hmm. And he let emotions get in the way, and then he missed the mark. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's great, and I, I think you're right, Dustin. It, it like sidelines them these male characters in such an effective way, but it's. They're all sidelined by their own masculinity. And by, I guess by that, I mean, like the way they interact with women. Mm-hmm. Right. Coletti is sidelined by not being able to see all he sees when he talks to Enid is that that hottie from back in high school. Mm-hmm. He cannot see her as a real person, cannot see her as like having, you know, games within games does not just not non-entity to him. Right. Sees her as a madam and nothing else. Uh, and Justin is like so like immediately clocks that there's stuff going on that and, and it's it's so interesting the way like which justin like keeps getting you think maybe he'll get there and maybe he'll scratch the right clue at the right time and he just time and again is like foiled by thwarted, 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 because yeah. he's on his own he mm-hmm. does not have a network he does not have a, a sisterhood to fall back on his sort of like inherent and gorski again is like a, a an actor of his own volition right he's going to try to keep the money from out from under Enid, and it is this sort of this masculine individualism and again arthur already pointed out justin's like the way his crush on priscilla kind of stopping him from seeing the case like again it is, it is all individualism and like not taking women seriously that sidelines these men mostly which yeah it's interesting yeah just, well and i, I mean I, I think the representation of the assault i think is one of these moments where it's it, you know it it acknowledges interestingly the reality of the sort of thing going by and, and, and is able to be sort of kind of like a feminist victory without it being like superhero glorified. You're it, talking about when Mary Beth kills when Gorski. When Mary Beth kills Gorski, yeah. yeah. And uh, again, it feels scary. It feels, it feels so ab- dangerous. Yeah, it yeah, absolutely feels all the menace, but it absolutely feels also like his his hubris is what walks him around that corner and gets him poked with the harpoon, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And so it, it's like a both and kind of circumstance there where they're able to have this kind of semi-victorious moment, right? And again, this character sidelines himself, but also they still have to rectify with some of the issues of patriarchy, which is I can claim sexual assault and no one will necessarily just believe me just because I said so, because I the, finished the, him off with a brick. The Thelma and Louise problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it is the Thelma and Louise problem, yeah. And, and which, I, you know, it's so smart of this movie to be like, people have seen Thelma and Louise. We don't have to explain this for the, the you know, what is it you always say, slow Joe in the background? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, people are going to, like, understand that, like, Mary Beth and Priscilla have every reason to believe that they will not be believed if they go through the quote-unquote appropriate channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when we, based on what we see of Coletti, like, why would they have any reason to believe that they are going to be He's safe? looking for the easiest way to close. He yeah. doesn't yeah. care about the answer. He just wants a closure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Um, I'm, it just feels like this is such a rich text, and I don't know if we're going to like come to, you know, I, I think we're going to have to stop ourselves at some point. Yeah, it's probably fair. Because so where are we at? We're at 50. Okay. I mean, do you have anything? We could go longer. I, I don't have anything else I've got right now. Let's go ahead and render a verdict then, okay. shall we? What do we say with Blow the Man Down? Shelf or trash? I go to you, Arthur, picker of the film, and uh, again, the dessert piece of your program, Cohen-esque coincidences. Uh, what do you say? Uh, if it puts a spotlight on this film at all, I would put it on the shelf. And so uh, I think it is worth your time. I think it is worth seeking out uh, and spending 90 minutes in this little uh, fishing town. I, I think it's a great little film. So check it out. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, I would love to see this get a physical release, although I can't imagine Amazon will ever do that. Uh, but this is a very cool movie, and I, I look forward to seeing what comes next from these filmmakers. Because, uh, again, this is this is like a really really exciting debut uh i think it's very shelfable absolutely a shelfable film as well i would say and totally worth your time so you have unanimity about the shelfingness uh for below the man down tell us why we're wrong tell us what we missed dalton will tell you how that's right you can find us uh, all over the internet but the best way to get in touch with us is good trash genre cast at gmail.com that is the name of the show you're listening to good trash genre cast at gmail.com hit us up with the long form feedback send us your sea shanties send us uh your how you would help your sister cover up a murder uh in self-defense um you know don't put the evidence in my inbox please okay arthur says no we are not your lawyers ice chest not inbox um what else we're at good trash media all over the socials we're not super active on there anymore uh, we're both all three on Letterboxd, Arthur Gore, the Arthur Gordon, Dustin Sells. Uh, I'm Dollywood Squares on Letterboxd and pretty much threads, Insta, everything else. So if you want to keep up with us online, I'm the most posty of the three of us. But, uh, you know, the best way to stay caught up is listen to the damn show, uh, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pod Rocket, Hop, Scotch out pod i'm making them up uh, i couldn't remember i couldn't tell which ones are fake and which ones exactly. are real pod I locker. <laughs> I, yeah I, I was trying to remember like the two real ones that i holly pocket there's two that i know i hear people mention all the time and i can never remember them uh but anyway we're pretty much on everything uh the podcast catchers are good about catching the podcasts so we don't really have to do anything so rate review subscribe however you put this in your ears that's a huge help to us uh, but again we're at good trash media on most of the socials if you want to find us uh if you want to see us promoting other things from people we like and people we know uh i'm trying to do my level best since we've we've said farewell to twitter now x for the most part I'm promoting things like uh, Dan Wade's interview with Caleb Collins over on my Instagram, Dollywood Square. So if you want to check out The Wheel of Randy with Dan Wade, that is another show on the Good Trash Media Network. We haven't talked about that in a while, but he just did a really fun interview with Colin, Caleb Collins. Uh, Caleb was promoting his opening for uh, Chris Gethard here in the city. Uh, that show has come and gone. You've missed that, unfortunately. It was a great show. Uh, but if you want to check out Caleb talking about... Uh, um, Randy Newman with uh, Dan Wade. Go check out The Wheel of Randy. Good interview. Uh, and uh, go check out Caleb Collins Open Mic. That's a cool place to hang out uh, if you're local uh, Monday nights. Uh, what else? The good tra- uh, the the praise down is always going strong. They're you know they're not a regular releaser these days. They're busy boys. Uh, Alex being the actor and Thespian that he is now, is, he has lines to memorize for plays and such. You can't be 
podcasting all night and day. Uh, but the Praise Down is still out there, still cranking out episodes from time to time. So go check out The Wheel of Randy. Go check out The Praise Down, other good trash media shows that you should be listening to. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to help keep the lights on at this little operation, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and get all kinds of info about what's in it for you. That's patreon.com forward slash GTM for more info on supporting the show. Arthur, more coincidences will be occurring to us, I believe. That's true. It is true. Next week, we look at a small indie thriller beloved by the hosts at this table, whose director has cited the Coens as an influence on his film. I, of course, am talking about one Jeremy Saulnier, and next week we take a look at Blue Ruin. Fuck yeah, oh, dude. I love yeah, that movie yes, so much. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, you yeah. know Macon Blair is directing a Toxic, uh, Toxic Avenger. Avenger? Yes. 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 So, so we will be looking at the future director of the Toxic Avenger reboot, Macon and Blair. And star of and, Oppenheimer. And, yeah. Oh my God, he's so good in Oppie too. Uh, but my MVP for Oppenheimer, uh, you know, of, of the supporting cast. But yeah, watch him in his starring turn in Blue Ruin before you check out next week's episode. God. It's such a good time. If you haven't seen this movie you were in for such a treat if you like cohen's adjacent shit you were gonna lose your damn mind for this movie yeah i love jeremy sonye love making blair so excited to revisit this film it's gonna be such a great time so you keep watching we'll keep talking we'll see you all next time